get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Thrilled to go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Kylie McDaniel, ESPN Baseball Insider, joining us here on the show. Kylie, always appreciate the time, man. How you doing today? Pretty good. I always love being on the celebrity line, even if that's not what it should be called. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We're thrilled to have you, man. So let's talk about what is real transactions taking bla- place in baseball. I didn't even know that it was possible at this point, but the Mets made the big move, the one that we all kind of suspected they might make. Francisco Lindor is going out to New York to be a part of what the Mets are building out there. What was your reaction to the trade yesterday? And kind of as a secondary point on this, how good are the Mets now with him in the fold? Well, I'll take the second one first. The Mets are right there, I think, uh, with the Braves at the top of the NL East. I'd probably give the Mets a slight edge. They also probably still have, you know, one or maybe two small moves, one more big move left, uh, probably in the starting pitching area. And I think both of those teams are just behind the Dodgers and Padres in the NL West. But I would say those are pretty clearly the top four teams that would be the you know the favorites to make the postseason. Uh, going back to the trade, uh, I, I wrote this at ESPN.com, and this is you know one of mine. It's not behind the paywall, so everybody can go read this one if they want. Um, but it, the Mets were in a unique situation where they had a bunch of money to spend and a team to upgrade. And the list of teams right now that have both of those qualities is like maybe two. So, like, they had the market to themselves, and they traded what, you know, now becoming, uh, as Ken Rosenthal called them, big market bullies. Uh, they traded sort of extra pieces, like Ahmed Rosario. Like, if he doesn't have a good season, he might be a non-tender. Both of the prospects are non-top 100 guys that were drafted in the latter half of the second round the last two years. So, those are the kinds of guys you can replace. Uh, maybe they'll be good. Maybe they won't. Like, you know, we'll see. But they don't have an amazing amount of value. And then Andres Jimenez is the guy that would have uh, been shifted over to second base slash utility slash the bench. He's a really good young player. But on a team like the Mets are becoming now, uh, he is the guy that you make the headliner in the trade to get the Lindor type guy. So, tr- you know, taking on Carrasco's deal, which is the kind of guy they would assign in free agency anyway, is sort of a wash, trading three pieces that didn't make, you know, a big difference to their team. And then trading him in as a sort of table stakes to get a guy like Lindor, all it cost them really was the money that they're going to have to give Lindor in this extension, which is kind of what they were looking to do in the first place. So the Mets did great. So, Kylie, how does this affect some of the other guys that could be on the trade market? I mean, we were just talking about Trevor Story a little bit ago from the St. Louis perspective. But, I mean, you also got a guy like Corey Seager who's sitting out there. I don't expect him to be traded. But these pending free agents now with this asking price that we've seen for Lindor, what does that do to the trade market for these other guys? I mean, it's interesting because when I mean, we just saw uh, uh, Sugano, the righty from Japan, decided to go back to Japan. He got offered $40 million guaranteed, which was essentially the same deal that James McCann got 
from the Mets, which is the biggest deal in free agency this year. So clearly we have not seen any sort of real movement at the top of the free agent market because teams are trying to figure out how to solve their needs without having to put out that big financial outlay, which then brings you to the, the big you know, uh, free agent bonanza coming after this season, which is Freddie Freeman and then a whole mess of shortstops, which obviously you mentioned Seager's story. Uh, you've got Chris Bryant as a third baseman. You've got Javi Baez, uh, Carlos Correa. You also have some you know, big money guys that are not real happy, which you have Nolan Arenado over in Colorado. I wouldn't count on Colorado making any moves. It's not really the way they do business. They just tend to hope things get better over time, uh, whether it's their last play team just magically becoming better or their big money guys that are not happy, not happy or pending free agents just let the whole thing play out and see what happens. So I would guess that's the most likely outcome there. Also, Arenado has like a huge amount of money. I think it's almost $200 million, mm-hmm. if not more than that, due to him. And like no one's getting $40 million on the market right now. So taking on two hundred just seems nuts when you don't even know what 200 will get you in the free agent market right now. So I don't see those guys moving. Obviously, Seager uh, and, and, and Baez with the Cubs, those teams think they have a shot to compete, uh, and obviously with the Dodgers, the favorites to compete. So I don't think any of those guys will be moving in the short term. Lindor was the one that made the most sense because there's no chance the Indians would re-sign him, and they're probably going to compete this year. But if depending on if they reinvest that 20 mil that Lindor was going to get in his final year of arbitration, like they might be within a couple wins of how good they were going to be with him, and it sets them up for the future. So it was the one where it made the most sense. I'm not sure there's another sort of slam dunk trade here. I think we have to wait for the top of the free agent market to play out. Then we might get an idea of what the revenues for the league will be. And then we'll see some of those tough decisions, especially if like the Cubs start slow, Javi Baez is going to be on the block. And it'd be nice if we knew if there was going to be a DH this year as it's <laughs> January 8th and we're like five weeks away from potentially spring training. We don't know, maybe if, <laughs> if they decide that that's going to be the date for him. And we still don't know that either. So um, still obviously a lot of uncertainty here. We're talking with Kylie McDaniels, uh, ESPN Baseball Insider here on 101 ESPN. Kylie, I wanted to ask you from a national perspective. I mean, you mentioned the Dodgers, Padres, Braves in the Mets, pretty clearly the top four in the National League right now. And all of those teams seem to be set up not just for the right now like it's not just 2021 that they're going to be good it seems like they're all in I mean at a minimum really kind of a five-year window here what does that mean for a team like the Cardinals that's kind of like an 85 to 90 win team in perpetuity has the National League changed has it shifted around them right now to where the Cardinals are no longer really in that same mix with those teams uh, right now, they're not. I don't think anybody in the Central would be. On the bright side for the Cardinals, both Central divisions are not really spending money, whether that's something specific about their revenues as opposed to the Coastal teams. Uh, or, you know, obviously, like, the Cardinals get a lot of their revenue from game day operations the same way the Cubs do. Uh, and some other teams that seem to be in some trouble. Uh, you know, the Yankees are also, like, not trading for Lindor and re-signing LeMahieu. I don't think it's not because they have the money, but I think they more just want to stay under the competitive balance tax. So, yeah, I mean, depending on how the playoffs expand, if they going forward, it's just the top two of every division and then a, a wild card team, then the Cardinals are in a great spot because given, you know, sort of their revenues, their history of, you know, finding talent and sort of figuring stuff out, they're probably always going to be in that mix going down the stretch. Even if they, you know, finish in fourth place, they're probably, you know, in September still, you know, mathematically alive, which is all you can really ask for. Um, but yeah, if this, if the national league continues to become some version of, you know, big market super teams combined with teams with a, you know, historic group of talent, um, which describes those four teams we just talked about at the top of the league, if it's three divisional winners and one wild card, like already one of those teams is, you know, going to be left out. Uh, and then there's, you know, one spot in the central and you'd be a huge underdog in the playoffs. If that's the case. So 
it kind of puts you behind the eight ball, but I, you know, also baseball is the most random playoffs. Uh, so as long as you can get in, and I would say it's like, you know, the Cubs seem to be moving down. The pirates are reloading. Milwaukee's always at a disadvantage monetarily. It seems like Cincinnati may have just, you know, blown their wad uh, when the market rates were much higher last off season. So I see even in that reality, where only one team makes from the central, which I don't think will be what happens going forward. I still think the Cardinals are probably in the best spot of any of the other teams. So that kind of answers my questions, Kylie, but, but I'm curious, does, do these moves put any pressure on the Cardinals in terms of trying to get better? I mean, right now the NL central is, is kind of like the NFC East in the NFL right now, but moving forward, I mean, the, shouldn't this put some pressure on the Cardinals to try and make some significant moves to contend with these teams? Uh, yeah, and I mean, obviously, like the the Colton Wong uh, de- declining of his option, I would guess it is most likely that he comes back for something a couple million less than that, and the Cardinals got the benefit of being able to defer that expense late until they had a better idea of revenues. Like, I think that's how everyone kind of assumes that that will play out. I don't know if that's how it, how it's expected here, Kylie. I, I think people well, here are not expecting Colton Wong to be back. Well, yeah, I think the Brad Hand one with Cleveland was they're going to be cutting money. That's a luxury. Colton Wong seems like a, not necessarily a core player obviously, because he's not he's a free sure. agent right now, but a little a little more of an expected like you know cog in the in the wheel. And if it turns out that they you know they spend seven more million the rest of the offseason and they don't resign Colton Wong, um, like I said, I still think they're in a good spot, and I think that they uh, you know are, are still an attractive place for you know free agents to come relative to the entire league, given you know the crowd and the history of winning and the culture and things like that. Uh, but it, it's hard to say with any certainty right now, especially a team in a central division that, oh, well, they have to compete. They're going to spend another $15 million to build a better team because almost no teams other than the Mets are actually acting like that. So like realistically, they should, but I don't know if they're going to. Last question that I've got for you, Kylie, it's kind of the backdrop to everything. We all know. I mean, the next offseason, there is a big fight potentially on the horizon. Work stoppage is at least a very real possibility. How much of that do you think is playing into the lack of long-term deals that are getting done right now? I know it's it's probably the easiest way to say like it's a combination of everything with last year's money issues plus that in the offseason and the uncertainty of where we are. I know that, but how much do you think next year's uncertainty of whether or not there's even going to be a work stoppage is playing into all of this? Yeah, I would say, I mean, obviously, like, COVID is is a big part of this, but everyone assumes that, you know, the stadiums will be full, if not by the end of this season, then by the beginning of the next season. So it'll sort of solve itself in some way. I think the big, uh, the big issue, the two big issues that are kind of uh, confounding teams right now uh, is, A, you've got the work stoppage coming up, which, you know, you would think your work stoppage CBA negotiations that could end in a work stoppage. Uh, the big thing that needs to be solved there is where the competitive balance tax, luxury tax, whatever you want to call it, if that goes up or down, if the punishments go up or down, because while that doesn't necessarily um, impact that many teams, those six or eight teams that it does impact, if you raise like the Yankees spending ceiling with no tax, $25 million, all of a sudden there's a couple more teams bidding at the top of the market, which brings the top of the market up, which then brings the middle of the market up. And and then it affects the entire league. And we also have seen in the past going into the end of the CBA, spending tends to go down because there's an uncertainty about how that stuff will play out. And so teams don't want to get tied to market rates if the market may go up or down or incentives may change a bit. So those two things together, along with the next offseason, you got all these nine figure guys, all those, you know, shortstop shortstops and then Chris Bryan and then, you know, maybe Trevor Bauer, he signs on a one year deal. Sugano sounds like he'll be coming back from the MPB another $50 million plus player. You got all of these like superior options to almost all of the free agents other than a couple this year. 
along with all of these other things, I think it's just next winter we're going to have to hope things are back to normal, which is why I'm thinking there might be some teams and the Cardinals maybe one of them who just sort of, you know, press the pause button, don't really make any changes. Maybe they make the playoffs, maybe they don't. And then next year things kind of go back to normal. I think that's pretty much where we're at here. And the the concern I think for a lot of Cardinals fans is, okay, that's fine. We're, we're totally bought in. You can, you can sit back, get the books right. They've got 60 million coming off of the books going into next off season. Everybody's kind of bought into that plan. The, the concern comes in, when you get to next offseason, are they actually going to be players in that shortstop market? And I think that's where you get some uh, differentiating answers there. Kylie, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. I know it's an unbelievably busy time for you. All the best. Stay stay, stay safe. Stay healthy out there. And uh, we'll talk with you again soon, my friend. And I'll try to stay a celebrity. <laughs>